What's good, people? This is the episode of the Option Podcast 175. You can tell I'm rehearsing that for like the third time, but that's the one that's staying in. That guy's Frank Field. The episode starts right now. What's good, Frank? What's good, man? Thanks for having me on. Oh, man, it's, I'm excited to have you on. Even my intro is excited to have you on. That was quite the attitude that thing had. It's like, oh, it's all, it's all, it's all. Hey, we're bringing the fire today, man. Let's go. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, thank you for joining us, everybody. This is episode 175. This is the Option Podcast, along with my man Frank Field, my guest today, volleyball extraordinaire, upstart, God knows what else. I'm Jason DeBilius, and we are rolling. We are here. Daddy is home. So, um, actually, let's do a little bit of fun. Before we got on the podcast, we talked about the NBA a little bit. Did you see uh, Game 7, uh, Sacramento and the Warriors? I did. That was a good game, man. Curry. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to let you take it. I feel like you have some thoughts on Curry, so I'll let you start out on it. I think when Curry um, has to play, he will. And I think when he's ahead, this it's just like... You know, I mean, he he sucks the energy right out of you. You're you're down by five, and you got some momentum, and that dude just passes half court, and then whoosh, with that shot. That shot looks like a little kid going one, two, three, swing. You know, and <laughs> and then those big eyes. You take the. I'm gonna give you the wheel. Yeah, he hit one of those daggers where he came and shot it from like thirty, and then did one of those. You know, kind of like leans into the contact and then falls and just kind of chucks it up. Yeah, and it was nothing but net, and it's it's just like he does that all the time, and it's backbreaking. And yeah. uh, I mean, every single shot he took last night was crazy, and dribbling through traffic, doing it in the paint, doing it from deep, doing it from mid range. I mean, he had the whole bag going last whatever two nights ago. Yeah, I got and I got to tell you, we're, we're like I'm a former elite athlete, you're an elite athlete, and anyone that's played the sport, like every sport, um, no, you are you, and I I did my my research on you, getting, you know the indoor stuff, but um. You always have a team in your league or whatever where, like, if you're ahead, it feels like no lead is safe. And if you're behind this guy, you feel like, Jesus, that's a wrap. <laughs> Man, that's a wrap. This this sucks. And that's the Warriors. That's the Warriors. I feel like every time they're playing someone, when that team is up, they're, they're just like, all right, we're beating them. And then there's a couple of players and they're saying, wait for it. <laughs> yeah, know? so I'm, I'm a Celtics fan. We played them in the finals last year. Yeah. And uh, the game four last year when they were up 2-1 on us, and it was just in Boston – and every single shot he took, it just was a backbreaker. Like, oh, that's going in. Oh, that's going in. Yeah. And every time we tried to make a run to try to pull it back, it was Curry would make some crazy shot, and then they have all the momentum back on their side again. Like, he's – when he's in a zone like that, he's he's incredible to watch. Dude, when he retires, uh, um, because right now a lot of people are calling him the greatest shooter in the game, and sometimes you want to wait for someone to hang up their spurs and then reflect, but – Man, he's um, answered a lot of questions, and I think he's he's got almost. I mean, his performance physically is so sustainable. I see him playing almost another decade, right? He's not. No, yeah. I mean, no one's beating him up. You know, I mean, I'm I go back. I'm a old school Knicks fan. Um, I go way back when you know <laughs> when you were allowed to foul someone. You know, <laughs> so so, and no one's really bullying him. Um. Well, he's gotten stronger too. You yeah. know, he used to be a defensive liability and it used mm-hmm. to be a real problem for him to take mm-hmm. contact. And now he's fixed both those problems. And he's 35. So, yeah. I mean, who knows? Yeah, he can play till 40. I mean, what athletes do nowadays with playing at certain ages is pretty crazy. I think Mark Jackson and Steve Kerr, like it was Mark Jackson before Kerr, but Mark Jackson was kind of already kind of instilling that um, what we call a dog mentality get in there you you know what i'm saying and if you have to do it you know and if you don't don't um uh the knicks and the pistons this i'm this is way before your time uh the the flagrant foul wasn't introduced until like 1991 or 1990 so you know so the pistons you know murder was the same sentence as a parking as a parking ticket so (laughs) you know it's like wait it's the same it's the same foul if i ticky tack or if i clothesline them out of the air cool <laughs> right right it was dangerous back then man yeah. you you had to come in the paint at your own risk for yeah. sure well the knicks i thought were really good because they're they're um the flagrant foul was already in play and they 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 had they decided that some one or two were super necessary right 
it's like Mark uh, um, or Anthony, you know, Fowles. Yeah, Mason, um, Anthony, Hubert Davis, Doc Rivers is on that team for a little bit. John Starks, Ewing, um, Oakley. So it was one of those things where, like, you know, they get fouled, and he's like, okay. And the referee's like, flagrant. He's like, cool. And, like, ejected. He's like, do what you got to (laughs) do. Do what you got to do, you know. But, you know, and the other team is like, all right, that guy's in foul trouble. I need you to go back to, you know, back up the lane. And that guy's like. Yeah, I can't even look at the coach. No, 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 nope. I don't want to. Yeah, how are you feeling about your Knicks this year? I mean, um, Jimmy Butler might come and yeah. snatch the soul out of you guys. Oh, I I gave him a Knicks car four years ago. Oh, so, is that right? Yeah. All right. Actually, it wasn't four years ago. You got a minute? I'm going to tell you the story. And, yeah, I mean, we got Ma- time. Max Ke- and Max Kellerman told this story this way. Max Kellerman said, um, tonight is, uh, last night was a college f- a football championship game. It was Monday night, right? And he says, but there was also a Knicks game at the Garden. So you, we had the national championship game. We've had, you know, great hockey game. I think, you know, I think um, Crosby was playing some, you know, another top team. And you said, you had all of these sports options. And those people chose to watch the Knicks. <laughs> and he says, as you can imagine, we all know what happened last night. He says, um, uh, Rose was MIA, no call, no show. Carmelo Anthony got ejected, and he got, and they got blown out of their own house by the Pelicans, no less. <laughs> so he was, and, was he, and he was right. I'm like, I have all these options, and I still choose to watch this team. And and I was telling my friends, when Dolan sells the team, come see me. So yep. then I was like, I'm from Brooklyn. I'm born in Brooklyn. Let me let me see what these Nets are about, and and. Maybe, maybe my fandom is the kiss of death, right? Because as you yeah, as you can imagine, as you Nets. can imagine, what happened with the Nets, right? Kyrie Irving <laughs> thought the world was flat. Um, Kev, uh, you know, Kevin Durant won it out, and Simmons, Simmons, it's like don't even play the sport, and when he yeah. does, he don't shoot. You know, it's like that's like having an outside hitter. That's like, coach, I don't serve receive. I just want to hit left side. It's just like, okay, yeah, there's a seat for you right there, dude. You know, so, um, but yeah, so Celtics is your team. Celtics is my team, and uh, I want to vent real quick since we're doing the venting thing. Um, Boston fans, I'm really upset with us the last 48 hours because we had the Bruins game seven at home. We lost that, and there was some really weird energy in the building. Uh, It was tough. We lost to an eight seed. I don't know. That was tough. And then we come back and have game one yesterday against the Sixers, and it's the same thing. I think Boston fans are just so – like the world is ending every single time something happens. And I think as a community in Boston, we need to think about ourselves, reflect a little bit, and fix our fandom for the rest of the series. Yes. Uh, so game one was when? Game one was yesterday. It was yesterday. I'm trying to look it up. Sixers. Ooh, and was they out. snuck out. And, uh, Did yeah. they sneak that out? They snuck that out? Because my wife actually yeah, told me we, the Celtics uh, oh, this won is, this that This was game. great. This was great. My we wife told a, me the Celtics. Uh, she said, I didn't watch the rest, but I think the Celtics won. So to what happened? No, up one with, I think, a minute left. And um, it was going to be a bad possession. We were down to like three seconds on the shot clock. It was going to be a bad shot. But I forget who it was, just straight up threw it to Maxi, and Maxi got a layup to go up one with, with 45 seconds left. It's like it's the worst possible outcome right. that could have happened. Harden hits a dagger three to go up. I mean, mm-hmm. we, need, we need to lift a little curse right here in Boston these next yeah. two weeks. No doubt. I have a new respect for Boston fans. As a New Yorker, we, we you know, we were we were grown and raised to be enemies, but I'm surprised um, you let me on the podcast. Well, well, here's the thing. My wife went to Harvard, right? So like the alumni party, we just spent, you know, they let us stay at the dorms 3 days. We spent an extra 4 days there. And I'm like every bar I go to, last place team, first place team, the crowd was the same, the energy was the same. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, this is a hell of a sports town. They, they, they. You talk about Green Bay being a sports town, baby. Yes, you talk about Green Bay being a sports town. No, Green Bay's got nothing on this. And New York, New York, we have way too many transplants to 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 call ourselves a good sports town. Mm-hmm. Look, in the Bronx, you, you better not wear no Mets. You you can't even wear a Mets hat in the Bronx, and that's New York too. So so that's but that's so the Yankees. I'm gonna just pick another example, but it's not uncommon to see Cowboys fans at, at the Giants and Jets games. You know, not a but but I'm a Buffalo Bills fan, so that's that's oh my, nice yeah that's nice. my team that's my team since 1990. You know, so um, yeah. I'll say this. Um, I actually feel like, I don't know, maybe we use this as a transition back to the volleyball, but, um, you know, I, I was born in 95 and pretty much from 2000 on, Boston has been nonstop titles with the Patriots and Brady, 
uh, you know, KG Celtics. Incredible uh, Red Sox. Three titles. Red Sox got three titles. Yeah. So it's actually been, as, a, as an athlete and a player, it's been kind of cool to see all these great athletes come through and you learn what it takes to win. And uh, well, you I were, think you were nine place. years old when Boston uh, got that first one. Yeah, 2004. Oh, yeah. I was still, I was aware for that, though. Yes. You know why? Because they won in 2007 and I think again in 2011, but there was nothing like that first one. No, no. And that team was so gritty, too. I mean, yeah. they were just... Just was, dogs who just battled. Like, New York called it a Yankees choke job. I don't. I call it a Boston comeback. It was such a good comeback that no – ask any baseball fan outside of Boston, because Boston remembers. <laughs> ask any baseball fan who they actually beat in the World Series. They can't tell you that. They can only tell yeah, you who they, the Yankees, they can right? only tell you who they beat to get to the World Series. So that yeah, is yeah. a significant hurdle. And they're like, um, "All right, we got the Cardinals." Like the the Boston fans were like, "We don't care. We're winning. We don't care." Do you see what yeah. just happened? Four yeah, out when of you seven come back times. from that, you feel invincible. That's one of those like, "There's mm -hmm. no way you're losing your next round after yeah. that." So. You were nine when that happened, and we're gonna finish with baseball. We can we'll hop on the other fun stuff. I'm a, I'm a big MMA fan too, but but I, I, I you got an interesting indoor career I wanted to talk about too. Um, so before that, from '86 to 2004 was pure misery. 1986, they're up three games to two. In fact, they show a video of the bubbly, the champagne and all that stuff with like one out or two outs. And they're up 5-2 of some crazy stuff. Bottom of the ninth and then base hit, base hit, base hit score. It's 5-3. And then mm -hmm. someone walks and then with um, Mookie Wilson, wild pitch, someone else scores. And then a ground ball, two more score, met 6-5. And then they won the next one 8-5. Jesse Orozco struck out Wade Boggs or something like that, which – Never happens because Wade Boggs only doesn't he doesn't strike out that yeah. he was him and between him and Mattingly, um, so think think about like the people a little older than you just like if you ever saw the documentary when they lost that game everyone just left the house and just started walking the streets it looked like not you know like Walking Dead just like yeah. a, like a zombie yeah. apocalypse people walking in the mist and they were like it was just like crazy everyone was like, just like out glaze there. right yes just outside like. <clears throat> Unless they saw a guy with a Yankee hat, then they go. Then the zombie, the the slow zombie changes. They see they they'll see a guy with a Yankee hat. Then they'll go from the slow, <laughs> sombering zombie to like that card. You know those the zombies that are the cardio ones. <laughs> yeah, they're angry, right? <laughs> <laughs> Running after cars. And shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then they see a person and just turn off. But um, so from Rhode Island, right? Yeah, from Rhode Island, coming yeah. to Rhode Island. The reason so. The reason why I asked you like before the show, um, if Roger Williams still had a program, um, I was at a Hunter before I played overseas. I was at Hunter College, uh, Division Three for a cup of coffee. Um, mm -hmm. I went back and finished my, you know, my education at Marymount, but I was at Hunter, no real major, just there to play one semester of volleyball before I went overseas. And Roger Williams had a guy named John Harper that was just this all. He was an outside hitter that was just all world. Um, who was the coach you you mentioned before? The yes, the coach was Michael Holden, yeah. which I don't know if you knew him, but yep. he was my coach in college. Yep. Wow. Cool, man. Nice. And their their program is gone before you you Yeah, yeah. So I don't know when that I think it was probably early two thousands that mm -hmm. that was done. But um even even when I played at University of Rhode Island, that was just mm -hmm. a club team. So there's really in, in yeah. Rhode Island there there's not any D one. There's no D one programs. Mm -hmm. The closest one is Sacred Heart. Yeah, uh, but even in New England, I think that's the only D one program. Yeah, who who Roger Williams beat that year? This is ninety four. Yeah. Now ninety four yeah. was a big boom period for volleyball. Like oh, Vassar, yeah. Vassar was actually the only Division three school to make the EIVA finals. Uh, they lost to Penn State, who won the whole thing that year. So riddle me that, right? D three team doing that, but there were like four D three teams that were divided invited to EIVA, um, and, and Hunter was one of them. And the only reason why I remember Roger Williams, I think. Our win against Roger Williams got us in because Roger Williams had already beaten Sacred Heart. Gotcha. They'd already beaten Concordia. Wow. They've already they they beaten Concordia. Um, they beat uh, American University of Puerto Rico, which was a, a competitive D two program back then. So, um, wow, yeah. So, but we got, I, we had this guy named Greg Romulus who was a, um, from a family of Haitian players, um, Creole, a Creole guy. And, oh yeah. And we faced Roger Williams twice. We won in three. And then a makeup game at Hunter College, Greg got 61 kills, which is still an NCAA record. He was 61. That was side out, probably, right? Yeah, six, yeah. Cause that's because that'll never be broken, right? And it's yeah. not side out anymore. 61 for 98 five errors. 
in a match against Roger Williams, which we lost. Which we lost. It was in Sports Illustrated too. We got mentioned in Sports Jeez, Illustrated. It's crazy. How do you do that and lose? Um, Sixty-one kills. Yeah. Well, actually, yeah. So inside out, uh, Rocco Baldelli. You know him, the baseball player, right? Yep. Yep. He's from Rhode Island. He played volleyball in in high school for uh, Bishop Hendrickson, and he had a fifty-five kill game, and that was back in the side out era. But uh, yeah, God, those games must go on so long. You know, you, you the kills just rack up. Nice. So that so that was um that's NAIA. Um, for Division One, it's fifty-eight. Uh, McKenzie, Dave McKenzie. The record. Yeah, yeah, Dave McKenzie. Um, I think in ninety, uh, two thousand, two thousand was the last year before um all the rules changed. Right, you were allowed double contact was legal now. Uh, for first first hit, um, libero introduction of libero rally rally score from side out. Uh, along with another rule I can't remember, but from two thousand to two thousand one, I'm like. Dude, that was my first head coaching job too, and I'm like, I'm a head coach, and now I, I'm, What's I'm going on? and I have to adapt to all these new rules. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, guys. I thought I was thought I, I was used at you to like you have the answers. Yes, <laughs> looking at me like rookie, and I'm like, oh, I'm not really a rookie. I'm just, just uh, I was I was associate head coach last year, but um, so you you were offered a, a unique um uh playing scholarship opportunity in Durham, right? Um. Tell me, talk to me a little bit about that, because I think you were flirting with the beach, and then you were like, "Wait, this is a good, this is a good time for me to finish my, you know, to go to grad school and, and play volleyball." Walk, uh, yeah, walk, I was, walk uh, our fans I was looking that. at San Diego at the time, <laughs> and um, this program is really cool. There's actually the more there's a ton of people that have done it, but essentially you go overseas and you get a master's degree in whatever you want to get it in. Uh, you know, you can get an MBA too, mm-hmm. uh, and then at the same time you're playing for the England National League and competing there so um it was really cool so you you know it's you get to play super high level volleyball and then get your nba or whatever at the same time and uh it was a it was a really cool experience man did they have short shorts no 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 no. regular size shorts okay Uh, it's it's pretty modern over there in england now it's not not colonial times anymore you know dude when i played in darmstadt germany yuck it was uh red it was a red top with yellow shorts with white stripes Oof, first, I mean, yes, I mean, t- uh, besides the color clash, right? These are short shorts, and I, I wore like like spandex under those. So my, so my gray, so my gray, like the spandex shorts, like back in back in the day, that yeah. was a trend, you know. And I got that sticking out, and I'm like, because I can't. If I wore, if I wore just regular briefs or whatever, no, you would see, you know, you'd see the tidy whiteies. It was just like, I'm yeah. like, what are you guys doing, man? You Actually, know? you're 100 percent right because uh, I remember that now that our. our our captain was a Brazilian guy and mm-hmm. he was like, Oh yeah, we're, we're doing short shorts. So they were, they were like, man, I don't even know what the inseam was, but there was a lot of thigh showing. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody talk calls us sexist. I'm like, ladies, ladies, <laughs> you don't know. Is this, you know, I look at some of my old school people. I'm like, is this something you mofos want to tell these girls before they call us sexist or, or, yeah, or yeah. objectifiers. <laughs> so, um, Let's t- actually let's take this moment. Let's turn back the clock a little bit further before the beach and indoor. What got you into volleyball? Yeah, I, I was a basketball guy. I mean, as you can tell by the way we we started this podcast. Uh, so I was playing basketball my whole whole childhood, and then when I went to um, my freshman year of, of high school, one of the basketball players hit me up and was like, "Hey, you know, you should play volleyball too." And I'm, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this story, but I was like, it's, oh, a, no. girl it's a girl sport. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't want to play that. And, uh, you know, he convinced me to play. And so I tried out. And then from there it was, uh, yeah, I just loved it. I loved it so much. And I, I don't really know even what about it is. I still love basketball, but, um, maybe it's just the community, but, uh, you know, volleyball players are freaking awesome. The community is awesome. And since then it's just been, you know, like a true love. Yeah, actually, um, for beach, my, I, I got a guy, Jeff Schetzel. He's he. Oh yeah, yeah, I know Jeff. Yeah, I know Jeff. Jeff played for Sacred Heart, by the way. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he's he was a, a, a dynamic small middle, and then eventually outside. But nice. Um, you want to talk about an irrational sports fan? Jeff Schetzel's top of the list. Yo, he is. I could have a debate show, and we would sell out. Me and that guy, <laughs> I'm telling you. We, well, he's we, a lawyer. You know what do you expect? Yes. I mean, he, I don't yeah. know if I would take that debate against him. I well. Yeah, I'm from Brooklyn, so he you know he, he knows he knows everyone and everyone fights with their family in New York. So we're so we're born debaters. We're you know, um, yeah, and we have debated on politics and this and that you know, as far back as 2012. But I just think common sense and I'll touch on politics when people just start 
using their critical thinking skills, uh, Jeff and I kind of stopped fighting over stuff because we started agreeing <laughs> more on stuff. And it's like, that's sad. I used to like fighting with you. Same thing, yeah. you know, but I don't know. Just like common sense and critical thinking skills. It's just like, you're right. I'm, I'm looking for an argument. I, I don't have an argument here, you know. But uh, yeah, Jeff um, was starting the Northeastern beach volleyball league or something like yeah, that yeah, and he yep. was at and i told him if you need a commentator and tell him i t you know i know a guy so i'll, I'll fly I think he over. does live stream it right yeah but i told him i'll fly yeah. over if, 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 he, if he wants me to I oh could, no I'd, that'd be sick actually i man. could help put him up i'm one of the best commentators out there i'm one of the best commentators no one talks about um, i like it i used to love watching your old uh youtube videos when yeah. you would film qualifiers and film those main draw games and yep. i appreciated the the coaching insights mm -hmm. on those videos so yeah. i mean a lot of Commentators don't do that, mm -hmm. and I appreciated that aspect of it for sure. Perfect, because this is going to shape my next question. I'm going to take 30 seconds okay. of how of how I got here. When I when I moved to California, I basically had to start over, right? No one knew me in this and that, and nobody cares where Carter. You know, see the T-shirt, right? So, right. what a lot of people don't know is I came with 19 years coaching experience, not a zero, a zero on the beach. I only just played in Central Park, and Jeff and Jeff Schitzer would invite me to Lake George to play fours every year, and and you know, fours is really won by the indoor players, not by the beach guys. You know, you got a good oppo, a good a good middle. You you know, you you, you won. You're splitting 1500. You're splitting six um. Five grand or six grand, you know, however, however money, whatever that. So I bought a camera and I just pointed at it and I started pointing. That's what got me noticed. Casey Jennings is like, you, this guy's got balls. Um, John Mayer actually had me work for him as the director of operations for LMU. You know, which, which is, oh, nice. yeah. So my job was to critique his performances and practice. Five things I like, five things I need to get better. Uh, every practice, every single practice, every whatever, you know. Um, and they couldn't afford me. I said, I only did that for one year. Then uh, then I called all the Pepperdine's home games. And I called the Big West Championship, you know, Cal Poly in Hawaii. And then Coconut Beach was great um, in 2021, where it was a smaller event. It was just more intimate. Atlantic mm -hmm. City was gnarly, but I did I did my job there. Cameron Irwin was mm -hmm. on court one. So, yep. so I rebuilt my brand for commentating and whatever. But for coaching, dude, I got lucky. I knew, I knew Rafu from New York. And Kevin yeah. McCulloch, I knew Kevin from um, um, uh, south of the border of the volleyball vacations. Mm -hmm. So they're like, um, do you want to play in Manhattan Beach? We can train you. So I flew to, I drove to Temecula. And when I was done training with them, they're like, can you coach us? <laughs> you know, so, and I'm like, can I coach you? So they had to qualify for the draw in Manhattan. And I just basically just sat there. I was a glorified babysitter. So, but I learned a lot from him. Um, Oz Borges. Um, Got to cite him. Oz is a very strict volleyball Nazi and um, mm. Jeff, Jeff Samuel, Jaron Barreto. So these guys helped shape my coaching, my beach coaching career. And from there, I coached two teams into the main draw, you know, Earl Schultz and Jake in 2019. Yep. And, um, yep. um, and Jeff Samuels and Chris Vaughn. So, you know, Jeff's an old friend of mine. So, but that's me. So, but shaping the question to you. You were predominantly an indoor player, and then all of a sudden this beach thing happened. And what were you thinking? Were you just thinking more reps? You're just thinking just fun in the sun, uh, you know, just a better atmosphere to, to have a good time and, and hit some people? I'll tell you exactly what it was. Uh, I was a middle for a lot of my indoor career, and I hate playing middle. And I, it was so frustrating that you get, you get pulled out half the time. Yeah. You, you feel like you can't make an impact on the game. Uh, when you're on the beach, you have a ton of impact in the game. You know, if if you're either you're playing well, you can make a big impact. If you're playing bad, you're in the torture chamber. But I, I just love that aspect of it. Of you know, you, you're touching them all the time. Uh, you get to play and, and you get to do all the skills. You know, and, and plus Mike Holden, my college coach, he was a big beach guy too. So he kind of like mandated us. We had to play beach during the summer. So right. uh, you know, once I started that, I just fell in love and. It's it's fun, man. It's it's so much different than indoor. It's almost like they're two different sports, you know. Mm -hmm. Do you think uh, playing middle indoor has kind of shaped your your um, um, outdoor personality, selfish, self, selfish, selflessness wise? That's an interesting question. Because no, there's I, nothing because uh, 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 there's nothing more thankless. Oh, than dude. having to jump every play and not get set, right? Have, having yeah. to protect the middle and still having to help people protect the wings, you know? Yeah, and your reward, you get subbed out. You don't even get to play back row D, you know? So yeah. go ahead. Yeah, quick side tangent. I think that's part of the reason why I, I, the, the, the new evolution of the BIC kind of bothers me mm -hmm. because now it's like in order to spread the game, they use BICs instead of middle sets. 
And these middles, it already was a thankless position. And now they're getting even less sets so that people can set the BIC. So I, I feel bad for middles nowadays, man. Yeah. And you know, the crazy thing was the BIC was innovated by a middle. Uh, um, oh, right? In 1994, <laughs> um, that year, the boom period I was telling you about, mm -hmm. Penn State had a guy named Ivan Contreros. Um, he was a middle and that was running the back real quick. They, be, they beat UCLA in five. They won. And um, the next year, UCLA beat them 3-0 because, you know, it's, it's, it's a copycat league. They, they see, they self-correct, and, and hell, yep. we're going to use this ourselves, you know? <laughs> you know, we got clientele. Jeff Nygaard was a middle, and, and I'm sure yeah, he ran yeah. it a couple of plays. Um, the U.S. national team, Steve Timmons, was a middle converted to opposite, so it was very easy for him to run. Kind, It wasn't really like a big. It was more like a two. The back real quick is just gnarly right now, Yeah, you know? But the reason why they were able two. to do that was because there was no libero back then. Those guys, you had middles like a receiver. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I think, yeah, you strike me as a very selfless guy and not a very selfish player. You seem like you, if you need to take control in a, in a doubles game, you could do that, but you you seem very good at giving up control. You know, you had a good partner like Tal Shavit, um, you know, was a guy that was kind of like, you know, because look, so for the fans listening, there's no such thing as 50-50 control. So this is why I'm even bringing this up. It's always going to be 60-40-70-30 whatever whatever level have you but um, there are there are no beach relationships where the control is 50-50. It's just that, that animal doesn't exist. I, I think it kind of depends. I think you're totally right on that. Uh, mm -hmm. That one person usually kind of is controlling things but it, that that percentage definitely depends on the partner. Um, with, with Tal, he's, I mean, he's like a quarterback back there on defense. Mm -hmm. So I kind of just do my thing and let him make the reads back there. Right. Uh, but, you know, different people, like when I played with uh, Roger in Huntington Beach, mm -hmm. uh, I'd say it was kind of 50-50 between us. And then when one of us would figure something out, that person would just, you know, have a new game plan and then we'd go from there. Was that Roger Parent? Which Roger? Parent? Roger Parent. Yeah. 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 You made the draw on that. Did you make the draw on that one? We did. Yeah. yeah. We beat uh, Peter Canole, Stephen Roschitz in the last That's round a there. Big freaking win. That is a yeah, big was... quality win against two guys that can whoop anyone's behind on any given day. For yeah. sure. I, I was so happy for Roger, man. I don't know if you know him, but um, I, basically he, he was a stud at Penn State, or sorry, uh, Sacred Heart back in the day. Mm -hmm. um, and he chose to, as many people have to make this choice with our sport, he chose to go the business side over pursuing beach or pursuing it or whatever he wanted to do. Right. And so he he started a digital marketing company, turned into a multi-million dollar business. And basically when I was living in Connecticut last year, I had to convince him to come out of retirement so in July, I convinced him, like, hey, we need more training partners. Like, come out. Let's get you back on the beach. And then from July to when we played in November, uh, he was, you know, he got himself repped out and good enough to where we could compete with that team. And uh, that that match was one of the most mentally tough performances I've ever seen in my life out of him. Because, yeah. you know, like they, they don't know who he is. Like, I, I kind of know Steven and Peter, but no one knows who Roger is. Mm -hmm. And uh, he got every single serve, and it was basically on him to, hey, you side out, we can win this game. Yeah. If you don't side out, we're not going to win this game. And uh, he was just lock, lock steady that entire match. It was awesome. You, you, you're just like, dude, just make do me one favor. Just hold. <laughs> hold. Just hold. Yeah. yeah, hold so you can get under it. Right. Hold yeah. get that ball. It has a little extra hang time, just enough time for you to get your peripherals if you want to option it or, you know, square shoulders to the pole and, and throw it up for him. Cool, man. I like that. And he just hit every single ball, man. He was if he was going to go down, he was going down on his terms. Yeah. And uh, it he, was just give so me cool his info because he, he didn't break. He didn't break. Give me know? his info. He's definitely someone I wanted to talk to and just chat with a little bit. Yeah, he's, he's a I'm, cool dude. Yeah, you like it. Yeah. I've seen him on, you know, in various tournaments and just, it's just, sometimes the qualifiers are like the gladiator pits. There's just so oh, many, yeah. there's just so many people, you know, but actually let's talk about the qualifier a little bit. How fun, sure, yeah. how fun is the qualifier knowing that it's a winner go home. It's like this chaotic scene. Um, and the ones that crack the code are the ones that, that something have something I affectionately refer to as control chaos. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think you're right. It kind of is about cracking the code, right? Cause it's a freaking, it's a gladiator pay. It's a gauntlet. There's, yeah. there's really, I think your shirt kind of <laughs> like defines it perfectly. Nobody cares. Work harder. Yes. It, that That's yeah. all it is in a qualifier, man. It's just, yeah. there's going to be adversity. You're going to be tired. You're going to be dead and you have to just figure out a way to score points and win. Yeah, and let me remind, before we explore that further, let me remind our fans that the qualifier, remind, because they should know better, the qualifiers represent the best of the best in each region. 
right? You got Pottstown Rumble winner in the qualifier. You got Wapako winner in the qualifier. Coconut Beach. Overseas indoor guys. Yeah, overseas indoor guys, Coconut Beach talent. So think about the people that represent the best of all their regions, right? And not enough points to get into the draw. And and like, I'll give you an example. Manhattan Beach is close to 100 teams, if not 100 teams, usually clears three digits, and only eight people, right? New York was four, right? Um, Seattle was four. Austin was four. Um, last year, you know, the qualifiers were different venues, which I love because it just gave people who made the, who agree. made the draw an honest chance at, at making a dent. You know, so not everybody could be Kristen Nuss and Taryn Cloth, right? Quali- <laughs> qualify, main draw, win, win it, yeah, right? Yeah. Right, that was Atlanta, right? Qualifier, main draw, one. Go to Australia, right? Last spot on the qualifier, main draw, one. Win it. <laughs> And honestly, that's what bothers me so much about these small draws Uh is I think the talent is so deep these days. Anybody can be anybody. Right. And we see qualifier time, uh, qualifier teams beating main draw teams Mm. every weekend now. Yeah. So it really is a bummer that only four of these teams get in. Mm -hmm. And because I think like 12 of these teams that could easily beat main draw teams. Absolutely. And I think sometimes when an opportunity knocks like that, man, you got to get in. Like, uh, for example, 2019, I was coaching Jake and Earl, right? Earl Schultz. Um, the one seed in our bracket was Duncan Buttinger and Kyle Friend. Mm-hmm. And when they lost. Oh, they beat to, us that tournament. Yeah, they lost they to Cervantes. And then they lost to Cervantes. Um, yeah. And then Cervantes lost to Evan Corey and um, Valela. And then we cleaned up um, against Corey and Valela. Valela had staff, so it was a pretty easy win. I mean, when we realized he had staff, it was, it was really, really hard because I didn't know who this lefty was, this pain-in-the-ass lefty that was just taking middle and just hitting everything clean. Like, you know, Earl's a pretty good blocker. Jake was a, is, a, is a, a back down. He's a great defender now, but he was a formidable, at least a good athlete on his worst yeah. day. And this, yeah, yeah. and this lefty, with big smile on his face, eyes bigger than the mofo, right? <laughs> just hitting everything and smiling and switching sides. Like, how you doing? And mad respectful, too, by the way. Evan Corey, yeah, we talked totally, about. Totally. Uh, um, and I'm like, all right, we, we're not. Do not hit no free balls this guy's way. You know, if we if we gotta if we you know no hit no roll shots this guy's way. Don't serve to him. We need him to be the best setter if we if this team's gonna beat us. And then, like, why is Valela wearing all black, black hoodie, black sweats? And, and you remember that day? It was hot. It was hot as yeah, bullsy. Oh right? yeah. And um. And we're like, let's work this guy. We're down 9-12 with the technical timeout. And, you know, he still played well. But Earl, I was like, Earl, dude, let's just play win ball. Let's just play win ball. Let's just, mm. you know, Oceanside, let's block. Let's four block. Let's two block. He's He's got to he's got to really turn it if he wants that if he wants that power line, you know, and anything that's cut over. You jump so high, Jake could run that out. So I told you yeah, when Earl gets hot blocking, yeah. he's, he's a factor for sure. Yeah, I told him Oceanside, just four block, two block. Jake could sit on the line and still and cover cover any any action that's over because yeah. it's Earl, <laughs> right? You know. But even so, that guy's gonna slow down when he's gonna hit the overshot anyway. Yeah. So Jake could sit and read that and then go chase it. Yes, and that, that's what I'm saying. Jake didn't have to. I told him don't four block switch it. Uh, I've said yeah. I said just Earl could, yeah. Earl four block block it if you want, but I want you to stay used, just stay fixed on the yeah. ocean side. Yeah, yeah. And I said strand side line. Because anything he risked away, you're just going to get your left hand in. Yep. Just make sure he doesn't split. He doesn't hit your afro. And, you know, and the best way to avoid hit, getting the afro hit is to penetrate. So, yeah. um, so I, God damn it. I'm so sorry. I forgot where we were going oh, with good. that. I think the qualifiers are a gauntlet is what we were, we were talking yes. about. But, um, no, but oh, the point I was trying to make is yeah. it's when you get to the last round, it's always the same four or five guys who are making the draw. Remember the McKibbins? They were qualifying. Time, yeah. They were qualifying machines. You know what I'm saying? It was it was a foregone conclusion. You know, then Baranek made the made the main draw like seven times with six different partners, no less, right? Yeah, including including Bill Kalinsky, the 2019, all the way to the semis, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what a ride, huh? <laughs> But that's what I mean. So that's part of the reason too. Like I wish they had bigger draws. Yeah. I mean, we had it was uh, what was it in Atlanta, twenty twenty one. You had Grossell and Vandermeer went to the quarters. So I just, it's talent so deep now. But that's what made NY Varsity Sports popular. I could I could tape ten matches from the qualifier, tape none from the main draw, and still have still have my whatever. Yeah, dude. Absolutely. How about last year? And you know the hell with me. Let's talk about you. How about last year? You and Tal against uh, Martin Burek. 
uh, um, longtime old friend of mine, and Brandon yeah, Jordan. Yeah. Who, I don't even care. I don't care that much for Brandon, but <laughs> I'm, I'm saying this on the podcast. But Brandon, uh, Brandon, I like. I just don't love. Um, but Mark, I love. Mark is a minch. Um, yeah, that was what 2018 game yeah, three. Yeah, that was battle. Talk to me. Walk me through some battle, of the last sure. plays. Walk me. Walk me through. Um, how you guys were feeling um, at 15 up on that that last switch, or no? The, well, there were two. I got to go back last... before I talk about that part of the story because you know you talk about toughness in a qualifier, and uh, this was a day where I was actually really sick. Um, so I flew to California about the week before to come play Manhattan with Tal, and about three days before Manhattan, I got some kind of like fever, flu. I was throwing up. I had got a heat stroke the weekend before from this sickness, throwing up, um, had, you know, whatever, fever, uh, cold sweats, night sweats, couldn't sleep, uh, took COVID tests and I was negative. So I don't know what it was, mm-hmm. but basically our, our thought process was, uh, I'm going to, we, we might bail on this tournament. We might, we might bail on the qualifier. I'm going to wake up Thursday morning and we didn't play until I think noon or 11 o'clock. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yo, I'll just wake up in the morning. And if I feel good enough to play, I'll drive down and meet you. And if not, we'll just bail on the qualifier. And um, I forget, I took like a bunch of NyQuil Wednesday night, woke up Thursday and I was like, yeah, you know what? I think I can play volleyball today. I feel okay. So I, you know, I drive two hours up to Manhattan and then play and, um, you know, it definitely wasn't a hundred percent, but it was kind of just don't let anyone see that you're not a hundred percent and just conserve energy. I don't think I cheered a single time all day. It was just, if Tao was not right next to me for a high five, he wasn't getting a high five. You know, it was one of those situations um so anyway we, we get to the the final round and that's exactly what it was too it was just conserve energy uh you know don't don't scream don't get too emotional just stay in it um we we beat the brakes off them in the first set and then they beat us even better, worse in the second set so the third set was basically just anybody's game whoever was going to play better yeah so um they guess- were they were go ahead no, it's like pride messing with you. It's like, wait, 10-10? We did not score a total of, uh, what, 70, 70 points just to lose now. Go ahead. Yeah, exactly. We were down 11-9, actually. So it was kind of back and forth the whole time. They were kind of plus one. Uh, and then finally, we got a reel to tie it at 12-12. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, we were down 11-12. They were siding out to go up 13-11. We got the reel 12-12. A um, bunch more side outs. And then we got another reel to make it 16 15 i think and we kind of just looked at each other with that look of disbelief like all right we just went up one 16 15 we're not losing this game and uh tal immediately comes out serves a ball that's out by a fraction of an inch you know just missed the line a bunch more side outs in a row and then finally we come back and i get a block for the win but uh it it was one of those days where just you know we didn't feel like we were going to lose ever you know what i wish i really wish someone had that that game so it was a good one. I mean, they played they played awesome. It was just, you know, it was a coin flip the entire game. Yeah, I was at that qualifier. I was I was cornering for Doc Vandermeer and his and his um with Grossell in that one. Oh, no, he was. No, he was they lost there. to Cannoli and Tucker. Yeah. Yeah. And he played with um, Doc Vandermeer played with um, his friend from Michigan. I forgot. Um, oh, Pupek. Yeah, Pupek. What a cool dude, man had dinner with that guy um in fact um doc came over for the podcast you know we, we it was like a it was like a this huge panel and we were talking about hands and we actually called uh ref dave carson as you oh know, yeah yeah new hampshire, hey, there's a right? guy too yeah new yeah. hampshire we called him he was in the middle of setting up the avp and he answered like 20 minutes of questions on hands it was great great episode cool, man. i love Dave. but i really wish i had that um game because what happened was I was leaving the beach and you were pretty much the last game. You guys were literally the last yeah, game. Yeah, we got a decent you know? crowd for that one. I think and it was the last everybody one. Everybody started gathering around and I got my bike and I was ready to ride off and I turned around and I looked at the game and I looked at like the strand and I looked at the game and I looked at the strand and I just stopped. I dropped my bike and I changed my mind <laughs> and I went back. And I was just like, no, are you kidding? I, I, you were I probably like, uh, Bjork's going to win this one easy. Like, I don't need to watch this one, you know? <laughs> no, when you see it's game three, you just don't know, right? Yeah. Like, I look, I thought Bjork was going to win, but I didn't know that. You could serve a ball, it's outline jumps. They could serve a ball, hits the top of the tape, yeah, totally. like hard position four where all, where you can't get it. It's just a matter of which side it's going to fall on, right? <laughs> like the, like almost every ball you always go to, but there's certain tape there's certain tape serves next to the antenna where you're, look, antenna here, antenna here, where you're like, God damn it, all I can do is 
hot, you know. Especially at that point. See, your leg's yeah. not really working. So it's like, you know, if, if this ball's not near me, sorry. I'm just, yeah. that's it. <laughs> but I, let me tell you something. I love players that make that impossible possible, right? I, like I just said, there are some balls that are, that are impossible to get to. Then you watch like Ahmed, right? Oh, my God, uh, Ahmed dude. He is freaking, insane. Yeah. Yeah. Who's he, um? Go ahead. No, you I just Ahmed's just incredible, man. He he hits all these he 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 has so much range. And then not only to have the range, but then mm-hmm. I mean Sharif's a great transition setter, mm-hmm. but then Ahmed is so terminal too. No matter where he digs this ball, he's just that is an aggressive guy in transition, man. He'd be golden to have on the podcast. I know he's not much of a talker. I did have Sharif though. Is that right? Okay. Yeah, I had Sharif. Um I have a mutual friend, um, Seydu, who played for Cal Baptist when they were NAIA. He was like two repeat champs. And um, calls him up, says, show some respect, <laughs> get on the podcast. So Sharif actually didn't even have Zoom, like got a new phone, uh, registered for Zoom. And, and we and he, we did the podcast with him from Doha. That's um, awesome. Man. Yeah, they're, fact, they're a fun team to watch. That's one of my favorite FIVB yeah, teams right there. That was the qualifier in 2021. He, I, I, I was at, I was at um, the qualifier and um, I had to leave because mm-hmm. I had to do the podcast. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know but it was great i showed him you know i facetimed or whatever or yeah. like and just showed him around like the tent and this and that say i'm like you know Kristen or, or taren close say hi sharif and she's like oh hi you know and I'm michael maha um but yeah. but let i think the question i was going to ask you who are your top three male defenders in the world right now in the world yeah oh let, let's go top five top three is tight top five uh i mean number one is the storm i mean storm is just yeah. incredible yeah, um, I like I like that how you made sure we we did that because everyone gives Maul more of the credit and I'm just like no Sorm doesn't get dude, he gets every ball I mean he's he's yeah. a side out machine he really is dude he's a side out machine and like he? untouched not off the block not off a dig not roll shots pow 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 pow, pow. what Sorm so go ahead um Sorm's my one to... I got one and one A Sorm and and um Ahmed. Okay. I mean, Ahmed, I haven't seen Ahmed much is not Qatar talked about enough, yet. man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't seen much from Qatar this year yet, but um, I mean, who's getting good finishes right now? I, I mean, I, I know I like, Andre and, and George are doing pretty well. Yeah, I like Daniel uh, that Lupo. Team is, that Czech defender is pretty good too. Yes, Schweiner. Uh, uh, Peru. Good. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. I'll let you take it. I like Daniel Lupo. Yeah, because good. every guy he plays with, he wins. Right, he, he he plays with Nikolai. He's winning. He played with Rangeri. He's won some, you know. Um, I don't know what the ranks are, but he's won some elite sixteens and he's won some four four stars uh, previous with him. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's also a silver medalist, right, with longevity. So reminding people, he overachieved at a very young age. So I like my one and one A. So just call him one and two because I I I'll change my mind tomorrow if I watch Ahmed play today. Um, he's just he's just he's a defender, and when he gets a dig, you're at the end of your seat because you know he's not shooting. He's 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 killing. He's attacking. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. And I mean, behind his head, no problem. Craters. I love his step close. Yeah. His step close is is powerful. No. So my one and one A is Sorum and him. Um, my number three is Lupo. Number four is um, um, I like Schweiner, um, a Peruvic. No, it's, it's Schweiner from the Czech. And fifth, I'll go three way tie. I like I like Taylor. Um, Taylor's balance. Um, Taylor is doing a little bit of twitch after the swing, which is helping him get a lot of roll shots, which is why he's not, you don't see him getting a lot of digs at the international scene because they're not rolling out there. But in the American scene, he's like feasting on, on, on the, on, on the other team's offense. It's like, he makes it look so easy and he, his positioning, he's sat there anyway. So he's, he's has, he's like decided I'm a twitch afterwards because my arms are out anyway. So, yeah. So yeah. you see him get a lot of sick digs, and it looks like he's showing off, but that's actually a technique. A technique. <laughs> yeah, the one arm stuff. Yeah, right? it's a technique that him and Rich Lamborn is working on. But I, I, I've never teach any of my players to do that. But that's Taylor Krauser. What the hell do I know? You know. I wonder but, if it's tougher with that ball too, as yeah. opposed to yeah, like the the Spalding we have here, or sorry, the Wilson. Yeah, maybe. But I will say you this: you've seen it. Watch an international game. You'll see like dumb hit a hard driven ball and he is his twitch the ball's already gone by the time he even twitches so he's not twitching before the swing like you do indoor you do like this little non-exaggerated twitch that allows you to make one move one move yeah. to the ball off the tip one move to the ball off your to protect yourself you know men's men's indoor is a different animal yeah. right some of sometimes that gains one at the net dude 
Ain't nobody sure. it. Ain't no, oh, sure. Give that guy a line. Yeah, okay. <laughs> give him nothing. Yeah, yeah. So, who are the other two? So, I got him. I got um, um, Guto. As far as defenders go, oh goes. yeah, I mean he's a freak. He's um his um side out game could use a little help, but but he's he's creative in play sets. Like I have a game, I saw a game he played um, Jeff Samuels in Satterfield, and he he passed, went to the pin, and then last minute just ran inside for a two. And, and, I mean he never gets tired yeah, too. That guy can run yeah, all he, day. The dude he satterfied Ian man, it was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so three way tie, um him. Schmidt, I had Schmidt last year, but Schmidt retired. Bruno Oscar Schmidt. Yeah, yeah, he's, um, he's incredible. And Alvaro. Okay, so you don't have any of the Swede, the Swedes on there. Um, no, no, their transition game's good and their side out game's good, but they got to come up with digs. They 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 put up a lot of pressure on people with serve, I guess, yeah. which makes them a good defensive player. Um, hey, give give it another, give it the end of this year. I could change that. You know, he's getting better. I mean, he he digs <laughs> the hard driven really well. But mm-hmm. it's kind of like the opposite of Taylor, where yeah. Taylor's anticipating and reading. Right. I think I think it seems like the Swedish guys are just taking their zone for the most part. Yeah. Well, that's good for energy efficiency, too. Like yeah. sometimes and with the way f 5 v is played, too, because it is just kind of see and hit for the most part. Yeah. And and so honestly, it's like, I ain't stabbing my gas tank. They got, they got that point. I'm setting myself up for the long game, you know? I remember well, Alex. I don't see those. I don't see those FIVB guys get tired ever. Like they never. No, no matter how many games they play, they look fresh. You know. Well, the conditioning's different because the coaching's different. The coaching's the coaching's. Um, fuck it. I'll just say it. Uh, the coaching's superior. <laughs> uh, uh-uh, the coaching's superior on the men's side. You know. And I know the women's scene. We, we're we're killing it. Like it's very American top heavy. Like one and two is probably Kelly Chang and Hughes and whatever and this and that. But. You take into consideration that that is a boom period of girl players. That's a that's a a, a four year period of of this team, and then four years later this team, and everybody else in between that four year period are equally a savage, right? Mm-hmm. Like look at Tina Gradino, right? Tina Gradino played yeah. for USC. I'm not I'm not I'm not letting Anna Corrier, Dane Dane Blanton jump in front of that parade. She was the best player on that team as a freshman. You know what I'm saying? That that um Norwegian guy from Long Beach State that played with DeFalco that graduated the uh, year Nicola. before, whatever. Yes, that dude was that dude was the best player in the team coming in. I ain't letting Alan Knight. Mad respect, you know. Alan Knight actually <laughs> made some some important introductions for me that helped me out here. But um, I got to keep it real. <laughs> he ain't jumping in front of that parade. That dude was a baller before he came here. So, <laughs> you know, um, Hawaii's had a lot of international players on the scene like that. Penn State has so, um. Yeah, the, the the coaching's better because they, because of this. Nobody cares. Work harder. Nobody cares about your feelings, dude. Nobody, you oh, you walk away, walked out of practice crying. Go, 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 good. Go cry and come back. You know, it's that Eastern European thing that seeped into Western European culture that you still see in some of these Division One programs. You know, now it's just that coaches that I mean. It's weird out here because coaches got to watch themselves if they get too far. Bob Bertucci, right? Got fired for hitting the kid. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah, actually, I've coached that kid, Dylan. Uh, good he? kid. Really good kid. I feel bad. I can't believe – I feel bad for the kid, but I'm just like, Bob, man, get your money's worth. <laughs> Knock him out cold, yeah, you know? Yeah, I guess. You know? No, I'm kidding. Yes. No, I'm kidding. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, oh, yeah, that's, a, that's a tough move. No, but I'm like – yeah, I just think this generation of kids, they, they're somebody, some idiot out there did some study and said that the best way for the kids to be the best in the world is this one way to do it. And I, I can't just, I, I've never seen a championship team that, that was exclusively one or the other. That was one was positive reinforcement and one was tough love. I've there, you, you will see like John Mayer, hundred percent positive reinforcement, WCC champs. Uh, will never be an NCAA champ. And I hope he's not listening to this because John, John's another guy that gave me my shot. Uh, but, you know, he's another guy that, like, you know, I'm, not, I'm trying to not to bite the hand that fed me, but but he deserved coach of the year, in fact, in 2020. He won 31 games in a region where he loses all his recruits to USC and UCLA, right? Um, and NCAAs, they beat UCLA and LSU the same day. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, but I, you, I do you think have coaching, that mixture. coaching women, especially like high school girls, is tough. Uh, okay. You know, I've done a lot of that back back east, and you really don't want to coach negatively. 
um you know yeah. like they're, they're just kids yeah and especially you know you don't want to I, I pretty much do positive mostly and there's a little bit of negative too but um i don't know i feel like nowadays it's really you don't want to cross the line there's no. a lot of bad things can happen when you cross the line so it's it's almost well, better to just stay away no. from that and and you gotta know if you do you have to know how like right now i'm at lavbc la volleyball club jason olive uh, former All-American, great guy. It's been asking me for a couple of years. I finally said yes because the mission statement is is what I, uh, is was more significantly than than the, than the talent, right? South Bay, you're right. South Bay, we can coach anybody out here and and, and look good, you know. And and I have. I got. In fact, I got eight players right now that are playing at mm-hmm. CAA Beach right now. Eight players that I coach playing right now in their junior and sophomore year. But these kids, I mean. God, one kid, there's a story about this kid, you know, their home situation, which I'm not going to divulge on, on whatever. And you see what this girl's going through and she comes into practice and she's got this big smile on her face and her eyes light up like she's never seen it before. Yeah, that's her escape, right? Yeah. And Jason, Jo comes up to me. He's like, dude, girls like this are the reason why I made this club, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, 100%. so, so we, we understand because at that age group, this is 13s, now 14s, right? You never want to set up an atmosphere where the girls um, loathe coming to practice, right? So, and like you said, tough love, if you don't do it with a grain of salt where they take it a certain way, they're just going to be like, oh, God, I got I got, I got, to deal with this guy again. I, you know, I got homework and now I got practice. Great. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Instead and and of, I think part of it is they, they, they need to know that it's for their best wishes too. Like it's, there's a trust aspect. Um, it, Cause that's from what I've researched and understand is that mm. if, if you instill trust and you know that what you're trying to help them with is in good intentions and not just, I'm being an asshole just to be an asshole. Sorry. I don't know if I can swear on this. No, it's, a, it's the option. Uh, <laughs> leave that out. But uh, <clears throat> I think, I think they're okay with it for the most part, as long as you just, they know you have your back, you know that they have your, you have their back. Yeah. Like for me, if someone's like on a dig, like a, uh, um, I don't do, usually do long lines. Uh, if you if you see a line, a kids on a line in my practice, the line is moving really really fast. It's it's boom, they're moving in, they're moving out because there's certain drills where they're switching in and out. So you never see this long line of girls with like their hands on their hips waiting their turn. So and I and I always warn my girls. I'm like, this looks like a line, but you're gonna get. Ca-. I'm telling you, you're gonna you're gonna get caught. Like, oh crap, I'm next. I get it gonna. So so. I'll I'll tell a joke where like there's only supposed to be one girl on the court, but the girls on on the line are on the court behind her, and I'm like, excuse me, are you are you why are you that close to her? Are you trying to do you want to buy her a drink? Are you trying to buy her a drink? Is this is this what's going on here? You know, so that's my example of tough love, but but at the same time, I made him laugh. You know, yeah. like if but if that's a girl that takes that another way, uh, you got to cater to that too. So Hard to so know. some people as a general blanket are just like let me just be safe positive reinforcement for everybody because i'm covering all my bases you know um but also this this tough love shows the players that you have a side that they acknowledge that you're paid to coach but you're not paid to care caring's free of charge right positive reinforcement offers the illusion of caring and and, and as a default assume you care but when someone's hard on you and you and you still believe they care anyway I'm telling you, what doesn't destroy them uh, uh, makes makes them better, you know. Hundred percent. Jim was 100%. hot as hell yesterday, and and we weren't diving in the tournament, so I had them do something called typewriter plunge. So from sideline to sideline, they're low as hell, side to side, side to side, dive in the middle, in groups okay. of two. So second group, side to side, that side to side, dive. So somewhere in the middle, you have a ball. So when they finish their side to side, you just throw it up in the air, and they're and, they're, and now they're compete pancaking. So now yeah, nice, I like that. Um, because you had to change the drill. I'm like, you're in a gym, and there are girls that don't want to dive, and I'm like, you're like, you got to be kidding me. This is volleyball, right? I hate that. I need hustle. Yes, I'm like, no, but that was the problem in, in the tournament. People weren't diving; they were turkey trotting. Because my coaching style is uh, positioning is so good. It's like these girls are like, the you know, if the ball doesn't come to them, oh, it didn't come right to us. Yeah, I'm like, why don't you take these two legs? Because they specialize for walking like a mammal, yeah. you know, and, and just do that. So, um, the gym was hot. They're diving in the beginning of practice, and you'll love this. You'll lose use this line for your 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 um practice. Become the fire or be consumed by it. It's hot. You're doing something you don't oh, particularly I like. That. like. Yeah. Um, and the conditions are unruly. You have to find something about this you like and embrace it. Because if you don't, a two-hour practice is going to feel like three. You know. If, sure. and, but if you do, 
it feels like two minutes and you're like, that's it? Wait, it's it? we got to go? Practice is over? Isn't that a great feeling as a coach when your girls are like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> that and when, when you tell them something, you see that, that light bulb moment go off. I mean, that's oh. like euphoria, man, you know? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Dude, so – so you're you got practice after this. Is this practice for you, or are you coaching? Yeah, court? no, I'm just I, I don't have time to coach right now, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I wish I did. I miss it, but um, it's basically just work and then you know like my my own training stuff. Dude, the kids would love you, man. The kids would yeah, someday, love you. You someday. look so freaking friendly, man. It's just like Coach Frank. That's what I'm gonna call you from now on. <laughs> Sometimes, unless unless they're not hustling or being a bad teammate, then they might not like me as much. <laughs> I'm jealous. A name like Coach Frank. It, it, you know, that's to describe you, and that's your name. <laughs> the yeah. dude is hey, wait, before up. we jump off, I got I got one question for you I wanted to ask. Tell me. All right, so we got to keep this quick because I got to go. But okay. uh, we, we started with basketball. I want to finish with basketball in the context of this. I'm a huge fan of, uh, like, post-mid-range footwork, like the technicality of it, like the Kobe's, the Jordans, Kawhi's, Carmelo Anthony. I think that's just – like artistry and motion, some of this post footwork stuff. When you think of volleyball, whether it be indoor or beach, what would be the equivalent to that in terms of the artistry of volleyball? Oh, the artistry? Um, doing the things that you, you were taught as juniors, as a junior, right? Like I see Cam- Jeremy K. Spear do like this dig like this, and that's cute. But the game, to me, the game is more beautiful when you when you go out there and you hold it right there are some people that do these these explosive approaches at the end they explode in the beginning explode in the, in the end and that's their signature but the game looks more beautiful when you follow this technique and in an indoor game when everyone's footwork is the same when everybody's flow is the same it looks like art uh, um it looks like uh, uh um uh, I, I don't know like a like art that's <laughs> the only word i can use to describe so to me the game is more beautiful when you do it right right uh, tina gradina is a goofy foot right uh, um and she you, she can rock it fills a goofy foot karch is an inter- interchangeable guy but the game looks more beautiful when you see a whole bunch of people out there like synchronized swimmers and and fans that you're trying to attract to the game can get lost in it just like oh this is this is volleyball this is a sport this isn't a game like parcheesi this is a sport yeah. You know, and I, I think that's where you're going with your question. Yeah, I think of it as approach footwork too. Right. Um, but I'm asking you more in the context of like for an individual player, like you can tell that Kobe, Jordan, Kawhi right. are different because right. they are so refined with this yeah. footwork. Yeah. Right. Yep. And I think it's it's harder in volleyball to have a very specific thing that's you yours. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like, oh, he, he's an expert or she's an expert at this aspect of the game right i also think though it's it's maybe footwork and and especially like transition approaching right like that's also very like technical artistry when you're when you're doing some transition footwork yes but i'm always trying to figure out what what that comparison is well the comparison is taking something that you know is proper and doing it until it's exhausted you look at kobe look at the goats look at kobe look at jordan their footwork's the same yeah kobe wanted to be like mike and he and if there's any human being, never mind basketball player, that came that got as close to Mike as someone can be, someone a little longer, a little leaner. I, I bring you Kobe Bryant, you know. So that's why I said that the game's more beautiful when you do it right. And think about the count, the reps that those two had to do, had to had to um to oh, do God. to get to where they got hours go. and hours and hours. You ever see know? the movie Rocky? The, Mickey, the coach said, in order to train for a forty-five minute match, you have to train for forty-five thousand minutes. Yeah, like a fifteen-round match. You know, you're a, you're a bum. Hit it, <laughs> hit it, hit it, hit it hurts. So I, I want to use my left, Mick. If you do, I'm gonna chop it off. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good Mickey, man. That, that's yeah. good. Oh man, I love it. Hey, you oh, give me sixty more seconds because these are lightning round questions. Okay. 60 right. seconds. I have a count. I literally right. have a clock. Um, where's there's my right, clock. Let, me, let me let me get it. All right, 60 you, seconds. You Let's strapped go. in? Go. All right. Favorite comedian? Uh, Bill Burr. Nice. Last good book you read? Um, I would say 11 Rings by Bill Jackson or uh, what's what's Jordan's trainer's book? Um, I'm blanking on that one. Got it. Marvel or DC? Uh, Marvel all day. Uh, pool or beach? Cool. Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter? Star Wars. 
Bourbon, vodka, or tequila? Uh, oof, depends on the vibe. Uh, I am trying to get away from a tequila guy, so I will say bourbon. Favorite sport outside of volleyball? Basketball. Yeah, you know. Nice. Favorite action film star growing up? Um, pass. Favorite morning sports talk show? Uh, I'm a big Bill Simmons guy. So cool. Any fun conspiracy rat- rabbit holes? No, I'm not a conspiracy guy. <laughs> I know you wanted to get me on that one, but uh, I'm not going down that. (laughs) Nice. And that's the horn, baby. And anyone, uh, uh, plug in your IG a little bit. Let people know who you are. I'm going to go back. I'm going to say Matthew McConaughey, Interstellar. Nice. Is my favorite uh, action star. Nice. Mine was Arnold. Uh, Of course. Of course, I'm a a Terminator. Um, So (laughs) plug in your IG. People want to know more about you, more about Frank Field, you know coaches players fans yeah it's my name frank field iv i'm the fourth so frank field iv uh on instagram uh please give a shout out to my boys lost traveler as well uh josh fay makes the best gear in the game if you're a club that's looking to uh get gear fully customized gear shorts warm-ups tanks jerseys whole nine yards that guy goes awesome uh so big fan of him nice all right guys listen frank field might love you but i don't love you guys in fact i can't stand any of you in fact we are out of here so for all of you at home for all of you on your ipads for all of you on your desktop who runs the world baby old school baby old school so for my man frank field this is episode 175 of the option podcast i'm jason debiss we're gonna hit my music stay with me we are out of here come check out the option podcast on optionvb.com it's also available on itunes and spotify and on youtube under the ny varsity sports handle you're gonna love what you hear